How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are. New week. Start off our Bible studies. So we've got a whole bunch more time to look into the Word of God and debate stuff and tick off the heretics. <laughs> All right, so here we are. Uh, we actually forgot to uh, uh, prepare and upload uh, Sunday's message by Pastor Paul, so I'm filling in for Monday, and I'm sure you don't mind. Uh, we will be getting to that, and we'll be trying to get it uh, uploaded for tomorrow morning, for Tuesday morning. So we'll see how that goes, so hope you understand that. So I'm sure you don't mind us continuing on our study of the Gospel of Luke. And we are up to chapter 14, verse 1. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 1. And while we wait for others to join in, make sure to grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your uh, notepads and pens, and, and all of that, and get yourself ready for the study of the Word of God. Um, now, why is it important to take notes why should you take notes or at least try to well this really helps you to pay attention for one helps you not fall asleep but uh because <laughs> uh, uh when we're going through and we mention something or read, reading through certain words uh verses uh, sentences uh thoughts or whatever will come into uh, will trigger something in your mind and thoughts and stuff will come in your mind of other passages other verses other contexts applications uh insights and you want to write this all down write it all down it, it helps uh just solidify these things and reaffirm in your mind stuff it also gives you some things to look into to study research if uh, uh, an idea or something comes in your mind so it's always good to take notes it really helps you to study research understand to apply yourself to the word of god it's very important yeah, you ask yourself the what of the narrative, even just a basic explanation. Okay, what is uh, Luke 14 going to be about? What was Luke 13 about? That The basic narrative uh, of the text, the context, the what. And then, okay, now the how. Back up, go again through it slowly. How is it being said? The specific words and pictures and images. Uh, how can I pair what I'm reading to other aspects of the Word of God? What are the passages and teachings and doctrines and whatnot that also address this? And why is this important? Why should I apply it to myself? How can I go live it, speak it, think it, do it? So write all this stuff down as you go through. It's very important. So get yourself a notebook. Or if you don't want a notebook, grab your laptop, your computer, whatever. Type out your notes in your own uh, notes folder. And, uh, and uh, go back and check out your stuff. See, have you changed your mind on something? Have you learned something else to add to something you already had? Or... And see how you, how you've grown over time, and uh, it also remind you of other studies and stuff. So yeah, it's really important. Okay, so here we are, Luke chapter fourteen, and pick up at verse one. Okay, Luke chapter fourteen, verse one, and it came to pass. What does that mean? So it's a old way of talking about it. and as time went and time went by we're not given a a specific amount of time here it doesn't tell us whether it's hours 
days, weeks, or whatever. It just says, and it came to pass. Okay, but you can also get an idea of um, how much time could have gone by when you back up and look at, look at the narrative of the text. So the thing you also need to understand is that chapter verse divisions are not inspired. Gasp! And some people will be freaking out on that. The words are, the context, but the chapter verse divisions were added or added fair, fair amount of time later on just to help break it up to, for research study and all this stuff to uh, be able to find stuff easier uh, for easier uh, learning uh, of of the scriptures but the chapter verse divisions themselves are not are not inspired because often what you'll see as well is verse or chapter divisions in these that the context flows into and that flows into the next so you want to back up and take a look at what you were going over previously so we see previously in chapter 13 jesus is uh addressing pharisees and in verse 32 he's addressing uh the threat from herod and he's talking about about that and then he goes in verse 34 35 uh, about jerusalem and so, so he finishes this up he finishes up talking about this and and it came to pass after he finished this and it came to pass that when he finished this he went into the house of one of the chief pharisees to eat bread on the sabbath day Okay, so you got an invitation to go over to someone's house for dinner. Okay, now you'll note not every invitation to something, it, it go over to someone's place or, or a call to something is actually um, of God um, or is of a friendly sort. Because this came with a... Another, with a back it was a backhanded it was a it was an attempt to try to trip up jesus uh, trap jesus it was a trick see they wanted to be able to bring him in so, uh, somewhere and bring up a certain situation to try to see if they could find a way to uh to find fault with him so look what it says and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief pharisees to eat bread on the sabbath day that they watched him they wa why they're they watching him carefully seeing what he was going to do what was he going to say or what was going to happen as certain situations would arise how would he react to this they're trying to find fault they're trying to find fault now as we will cover as we go through this there's a lot that scripture talks about about our character our attitude and how we should carry ourselves in public and society with family and friends and as the verse I, I quote all the time because it's applicable to literally everything in everything that ye do even in eating and drinking adult to the glory of god that uh, your behavior your reactions your personality your character your words everything your activities your entertainment it all should be to the to the glory of god why well to guard your testimony is one big thing it's so you don't cause others to stumble and also to to be able to redirect people to the lord so we see for example if we go over to first peter chapter three first peter chapter three 
I have no idea how far we'll get in today's study. We'll just see how it goes. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always to give an answer. Okay, here's a question. Let's just rephrase this a little bit. What, why are they coming to ask you about the hope that is in you? Because there is something in your life that grabbed their attention. There's something in your life that is that that they see that uh, you're really different. You're set apart. Just as scripture says to come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. So sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. This is daily sanctification. It's different than consecration. Consecration is salvation. Sanctification is the righteous walk of the saint. That every day you seek to uh, walk in the Lord, to walk in the Spirit, to glorify the Lord in everything that you do. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Not just in your mind, in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Salvation and faith is of heart, not just mind and intellect. So there's a difference between knowing and 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 believing of the heart. And there's a difference between, difference between believing in and believing on. And be ready always to give an answer. No matter where you are, what you're doing, you're at home working, you're at... Uh, you're at uh, your job working, you're at school, the grocery store, gas station, doesn't matter, wherever you are, be ready always. But you should know how to explain the faith at the drop of a hat. Because you have no idea. You could be really busy on a busy schedule and you're, you're, and you're going down, walking down the road, you're heading to an appointment for something, and the Lord taps you on your shoulder... And says, you should give this guy a tract. Give this guy a gospel tract. Would you just brush it? I say, oh, I, I, I can't right now. I'm busy. Is that a good enough response, excuse to give to the Lord? To not share the gospel of salvation to someone whose soul may depend on it? Their blood will be on your head. Now, what if you hand this guy a gospel tract and he says, well, what is this? What's this about? And he says, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what's that? It doesn't matter where you're going, what you're doing. It doesn't matter what appointment that you'd be heading to. There is nothing in this world more important than explaining the gospel of salvation to someone who needs it. If someone is asking you for clarification, understanding, instruction, and wisdom and knowledge of the gospel of the salvation of Jesus Christ, you stop what you're doing and you explain it. Say, well, I don't know how. Read the tract and walk them through it. It's that simple. Evangelism witnessing. Well, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Oh, really? Um, is that why when the Lord says, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to every creature, that he said that to all Christians? It's not a spiritual gift. It's a basic instructional mandate for every single Christian. Evangelism is witnessing the gospel, witnessing the Christian faith, 
being able to share the Christian faith with unbelievers. Are you telling me that you don't know how to explain salvation to an unsaved person? Well, how do you how do you know if you're saved? If you can't explain the Jesus of Scripture by Scripture alone, if you can't explain salvation by Scripture alone, how do you know you're saved? That's like basics 101. Square one, step one, root one of the entire faith. What must I do to be saved? If you don't know how to explain that from Scripture, from Scripture... Not from well, what you think. Well, just say this prayer. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't ever be one of those people. They need to understand how they're a sinner. They need to understand who Jesus is and why he came and why he went to the cross and how he rose again and why and, and what must I do to be saved and what does that mean? If you don't know how to explain the basics of Christ and the gospel, how do you know you're saved? But I digress here. If we go back to this, but be ready always to give an answer to every man. Not just of the gospel, but why are you different? How come you don't behave and, and carry yourself like other people? How come you're you're not like the other co-workers? How come you talk different? How come you don't talk like them? How come you don't joke like them? How come you don't dress like them? How come you don't party like them? How come you don't you, you how, how come you're so different? Why do you go to church on Sunday? What? Well, why did I? Uh, what's with the Bible in your car? I saw. Well, what's What's those tracks you're handing out? What are those pieces of paper you're handing out? What's that about? Be able to give an answer. An answer, not just an answer that will satiate the the, the questioner. But you want to give an answer that will glorify God. Some people, when they are asked things like this to have uh, sometimes have a tendency to suddenly panic and just kind of brush it off they just give some generic response and they don't really explain it because well they're too busy they're too afraid they don't know what to say they're ashamed what well, like honestly let's let's be honest okay let's be honest why would an individual give a very bare bones generic blase response if some someone was to come up to you and ask you like for example let's say you're at work and someone a co-worker walks up and just says i've noticed uh you don't cuss and swear you don't join in on the the regular humor of the others just i was just wondering why and you say well because i'm a christian oh okay and you just leave it there what response is that what kind of what kind of answer is that what does that accomplish what does that do how does that help that person to understand why? Just saying, well, because I'm a Christian. Okay. Um, what does that do for their soul? Now, the other thing that I want to point out here is, okay, well, what kind of Christian? Because to the world, to the world, Christian is a very bland, general term 
that includes anyone who may in some version or another believe in a generic judeo-christian god okay what kind of christian catholic are you charismatic are you anglican orthodox are you presbyterian baptist or to the world mormons are considered christians to the world are you mormon or or what are you a quaker <laughs> you amish mennonite what are you why okay why do you go to church what why is this important to you do you have to behave in th in that manner do you, is it like a, a religious mandatory thing where you're you can't join in certain worldly behaviors because you you won't go to your heaven or something you need to be able to educate the person who's asking you a reason be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's very, very important. And you should never, ever be ashamed of who you are in Christ. You are never, ever, ever, ever in the wrong for proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, furthermore, just on a side note, you are never, ever, ever wrong for handing out gospel tracts. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter uh, what the location is or who the person is or where you are, what's going on. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You are never, ever, ever wrong. You're never in the wrong for handing around gospel tracts or leaving gospel tracts in places. From funeral homes to the grocery store to the to the sports stadium doesn't matter where it is <laughs> i hand out gospel tracts sometimes by going to other other religious uh uh buildings other uh, other religion uh buildings like catholic church buildings all this stuff and i put gospel tracts in their buildings you're never ever 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 in the wrong for sharing the gospel of jesus christ and if someone is trying to make you feel like you're in the wrong for doing it in some way, shape, or form, well, they're the one that's wrong, not you. Don't ever apologize for your faith. Don't ever, ever apologize or feel shame or feel that you are in the wrong in some form, somehow, some way for, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, tell us to have patience with them. These individuals, they have no idea. They may have never heard the gospel. They may have never gone to church or never gone to Sunday school when they were a kid. They don't know anything about the Bible. All they know about God and Jesus is that those are cuss words. They don't know anything. They may know that there's a religion out there called Christianity, but they don't know anything about it. You gotta have patience. You gotta have patience and you gotta be long-suffering, gentle, and meek, and show them what the faith is and why. Explain to them Jesus. If you cannot explain to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you can't explain to them the Lord Jesus according to scripture, how do you know that you're saved? So let's continue. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14. 
All right, and it came to pass as he went, as Jesus went, he went from these Pharisees and these ones he's talking to, he's gone his way, and he got invited to some other Pharisee's place for dinner, to eat bread, to fellowship on the Sabbath day, because Jesus was just teaching in the synagogue. So, so this is kind of like after church dinner kind of thing. So whenever this Pharisee's place to eat bread on the Sabbath day, and they watched him. Because he just finished just lambasting the Pharisees and all the others for hypocrisy and all this stuff and teaching the importance of repentance and teaching um, the importance of, of, uh, of walking the faith and keeping the faith regardless of threats and persecutions. As they said that uh, Herod was threatening. So he, they invite him over and they watch him. They want to know more. They're observing as well. Not just necessarily just to observe for the sake of finding fault. But they also want to watch him because they've never seen one like this one before. They've never seen an individual like this. And they watched him. You know, years ago, I used to be of the personal opinion that nobody cared. No one cares about you. Like, no, no one really cares. They're, they're not paying attention. No one, no one really cares. Just do what you want. Just be you. All that kind of thing. Years ago, that's how I used to think. And I learned rather quickly that that is very much not true when you're a Christian. And when I became a Christian, and I started walking and talking and acting like a Christian at, at the jobs and different places I go, oh yeah, people pay attention. They're observing. They're scrutinizing everything. Especially after, specifically, especially after they find out that you're a Christian. Oh yeah. They take note. They notice your speech. You talk different. You walk different. You act different. You are different. They'll, they're watching you. This is why it's also so important to sanctify the Lord God in your heart in everything that you do. To guard your testimony. Because the, as the rule is, when you don't think you're on camera, you're on camera. It's to always behave like you're on camera. And not and not just in a physical sense, but spiritual. You're on God's camera. You're going to have to give an account for everything that you have done in your body as his servant. You have to give an account. So, but also, it's just, how do you know someone isn't kind of watching you out of the corner of their eye? They may have heard something in your language, in your speech, or they may have seen you come from somewhere. They may have seen, they may have even seen you put down a gospel track, and now they're watching you. How do you know your neighbor, your coworkers, your friends, your family, uh, 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 your friends at the uh, the ball diamond at the basketball court, or who knows where? Is you want to guard yourself? You want to guard your testimony. When you don't think you're on camera, you're on camera. And that always will greatly affect your behavior. you always be catching yourself. And they watched him. Now, is it a bad thing? No, it's a very good thing that they're watching you. Because now, as you're a servant of the Most High God, you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is, is counting on you. The Lord is counting on you now to, to pick up the faith, to carry your cross, to take the faith seriously. He's counting on you to, to create doors of utterance, create 
uh, abilities and opportunities to be able to share the gospel, to make friends, to make friends with people, to open doors of utterance, to start conversations. You want people to want you. Because what you want is you want people to be interested in the gospel, interested in Jesus Christ. You don't want to create enemies. You want to, you want to create opportunities of friendship for future brethren. Go and make disciples. Now, also, as EM here has a question, how do you get back up after falling into sin and worldliness? There's another thing. When people are watching you as well, they're also going to be watching how you handle trials, tribulations, and problems and issues. Are you going to be handling the issue the same as the world does? Or are you going to be handling it completely different? The hardships come along, you're still cheerful because the Lord is with you and you know this and this encourages you, it helps you, it picks you up. That you repent and get yourself right with the Lord and the people see that it, it doesn't destroy you, it doesn't harm you, it doesn't hold you down, it doesn't defeat you. That even in how you pick yourself up, now how do you pick yourself up? But getting it right with the Lord. Don't put it off. Don't postpone. Don't procrastinate repentance. As you just get it over with. Rip the band-aid off. Just get just get over it. Is get up. There's no biblical principle for wallowing. There's no biblical principle for being an Eeyore where you just sit down all all melancholy, all woe is me with the with the rain cloud over your head kind of thing. Woe is me. Just Get over it. Get up. Brush up the dust. Repent. Get yourself right with the Lord. Keep going. The Lord won't disown you. He doesn't disown you. He wants you to get it right. He wants you to repent. He wants you to keep walking. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Keep going. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Be strong. So you're being watched. You're being watched. So many people don't like that. The, the idea of the big brother and the cameras and security and everything else. You're being watched. You're being observed. You're, so you're, they're tapping in. They're listening. Well, here's the thing. If what you're doing is right with the Lord, then what does it matter if they're listening, if they're watching? You know, people have told me you should get you should get special jammers on your phone and you, you got to get all the VPNs. You got to do all the stuff and you got to get all the security because people are watching and they're listening. <laughs> I always laugh. I always laugh because, well, if they are tapping into my phone, if they are listening in, if they are observing, well, what are they going to get? They're going to get an earful of the gospel. They're going to get a whole bunch of Bible. Well, if they hear you doing that, they might censor you. Okay. And how is that different from any other disciple, apostle, or prophet down through the, the entirety of time? You know, that happened to the apostles. Why should I not expect that to happen to me? I'm not going to restrict the gospel of Jesus Christ all because of some crazy pagans might get mad. I'm going to make sure they hear it. 
Well, if they arrest you, then I'll preach to the inmates. What, what big deal is that? So what? I get free room and board. I get free education, free fitness. I get, I get, a, I get a congregation that can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. To a point. But, but the point is, is to not be ashamed or afraid of being watched. Because also it, it is an, an opportunity being watched is also an opportunity to help you keep yourself right with the Lord. Because if you know that you always have an audience, if you always have listeners, if you always have people watching, that will help keep you on track. You should seek out the audience. You should be in the public's eye that we are street preachers, not building hiders. We're street preachers. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And he didn't hide. His disciples didn't hide. He was out in the open. They came to him and they said, said you need to get, get out of here and depart hence or Herod will kill thee. And Jesus says, you tell that fox, I must walk. I must keep going. I must keep working. I'm not going to stop or change all because some crazy people might not like me. Bring it. Bring it. I'll tell those ones they need to repent and believe the gospel. The souls of Tarsus will become the Apostle Paul's. How do you know if, if the, your haters and trolls and, and, and all the, your tormentors may not get saved down the road because of your boldness in Christ? And they watched him. Well, we got to be careful, you know, we're going out and especially when we're going to church, got to be careful because some people, you know, they might get angry. Let it, let the heathen rage. Let the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth will gather themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed, and they'll say, let us cast off their bands asunder from us, and he who sits in the heavens will laugh at them. Laugh at it. Well, they might call the cops on you. Let them. The police need to hear the gospel, don't they? Don't get mad at the police. Don't get mad at the people. They don't know what they're doing. They're being ignorant. They're, they're reacting in sin, in, in their lawlessness and their godlessness, and they need to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth. Why would you, why would you self-censor? Mm. We hate censorship. But we self-censor. We self-censor. We censor ourselves out of fear and faithlessness. We self-censor out of fearfulness and unbelief. We say we believe the word of God. We say we believe in Jesus. We say we believe in the promises. We say we say we're faithful, loving servants of God. But we live and act in fear. We wallow in self-pity and self-misery. We wallow in our own issues instead of getting ourselves right and shaking it off and rejoicing because the Lord has given us victory. Well, if you had known what goes on in my life, I'm sure I could bet my last bottom dollar that your life is nowhere near as bad as it was for the apostles. Nowhere near as bad as the martyrs of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Nowhere near as bad as Job. Nowhere near as bad as Jonah. Nowhere near as bad as Elijah. Nowhere near as bad as Moses. 
So rejoice. Rejoice. Daniel. He was in captivity. Uh, uh, kidnapped from his home. Dragged off to Babylon. Forced under the Babylonian rule and mandates. Yeah. <laughs> forced under the Babylonian mandates and protocols. Forced under it all. Forced to live in that. What did he do? He preached the truth of God. And he prayed and he praised the Lord. And he stood his ground. And he showed what the truth is. And what happened? He led a ton of people to faith in the Lord. He was instrumental in Nebuchadnezzar's salvation. Nebuchadnezzar, Gentile emperor, ruler of Babylon, got saved and wrote Daniel chapter 4. Boldness. Boldness. He gives us boldness. He gives us boldness to stand before the people. Boldness to stand before all the watchers, before all the listeners, before all the observers. Boldness. Then he tells us to be always ready. To love your enemies, to turn the other cheek, render not evil for evil. Avoid contentions and strifes and strifes of words. Get away from those things if they're un unprofitable and vain. But to hold to the truth. We are here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to glorify God by, by seeking to bring people to the knowledge of Christ. We're here to worship God. We're here to teach the people. We're here to stand strong. We're here to show them how to repent. How to get over the issues. How to come to Christ. How to carry the cross. How to be examples. How to rebuke the devils. How to show people how to get victory over sin. Victory over heaviness. Victory over this world. How to move the mountains. How to walk with Christ. How to respond to the trolls and the haters and the, how to respond to the pagans and the heathens how to show them the love of christ we're always watched we should always seek to be watched we should never be ashamed of being watched we should rejoice that we're watched fling open the doors be a glass house be a glass house that what they see is what they get you're not a two-faced liar where you have your public face and your private private face where what you are behind closed doors is different than you are in public. Let them see who you are. What they see is what they get. This is who I am. This is who I am in family, friends, coworkers, public, private. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I do. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I'm proud of it. And I will always give an answer because that's what I'm supposed to do. And if you don't like it, tough. That's that's what we are. Be unashamed. Rejoice. He's given us victory. We are not here to try to slave away, to maintain, to keep and earn our salvation. We are saved. We have salvation. What more do you want? Show them how to be saved. Show them how to rejoice. Show them how to be born again, saved in our Lord Jesus Christ. Show them Jesus Christ is alive. It'll make people watch you with bewildered looks. What's wrong with this one? They're the elbow each other. Check this one out. How come they're not afraid? How come they're not scared? How come they're not wringing their hands? How come they're rejoicing? How come they're joyous? How come they have the oil of gladness? How come they have power? How come their God answers their prayers where other gods don't? How come they preach as one with authority? 
How come they, they proclaim a truth with such a passion? How come we've never heard anything like this before? Make them listen. Make them hear. Make them want to come and ask you about the hope within you. If you are not drawing people, and if you are not making people want to know what's wrong with you, then you're doing something wrong. They will either despise you or come and question you. And if you're seeking just to make everyone like you, <laughs> you're a false prophet. You're preaching a false gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is either going to do two things. It's going to drive them wild, angry, or it's going to drive them to Christ. You preach the truth. You hold to the truth. You hold to the word of God unashamed, unafraid, unwavering, uncompromising. Because Christ was uncompromising. He held the line. He didn't care what people thought. The same with the apostles. They gave their lives for it. The prophets gave their lives for it. Why won't we give our lives for it? Why, why are we so mindful and, and, and scared and fearful and afraid about what the public think? The public's on their way to hell. They are, they are in the worst possible state that they could possibly be an enemy of God, an enemy of all righteousness, children of the devil, heirs of hell. What does it matter what they think about you? Go and show them the truth. Give them a tract. Sh show them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give witnesses of righteousness. Live for righteousness. Stop compromising. Daniel didn't compromise. He was under threat, uh, under the mandatory rule of, of Babylon. You're not allowed to pray to any other but the king. If you pray to any other but the king, we'll throw in the lion's den. He prayed to the Lord. He didn't care. He was willing to go to his death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't care. They weren't going to bow. They went, they, they would, they were willing to go to the furnace then because that's what it takes to obey the Lord God. Then so be it. If what it takes is to be strapped to the burning pole, then so be it. If I'm going to lose my head, if I'm going to lose my channel, if I'm going to lose my home, lose my job, if I'm going to lose my friends, lose my family or whatever, so be it. Because it's the truth. Because holding the line of the Lord, holding the line of Jesus Christ is what is necessary. You hold to the truth of Christ, unafraid, unashamed, uncompromising, unwavering. You get out there and you show the truth. You give them something to watch. You give them something to listen to. <laughs> it makes makes me think of when the when the scam callers call my phone. When they call my phone. I don't always do it because now a lot of it's automated. It's just a robot. Uh, but uh, uh, what I've done in the past is when individual scam callers or those kinds of people call my phone and it's an actual person on the line, I start giving them the gospel. They hang up pretty quick and they never call back. <laughs> Use it as an opportunity. Seriously, an opportunity to practice your preaching, to practice, practice your evangelism. They need to hear it. Why not? When the Jehovah's Witnesses come along, oh man, there's an opportunity right there. Tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in a, in a form of vindictiveness or maliciousness, but they need to hear the truth. Tell them about the Jesus of the Bible, not this 
Michael Archangel Jesus nonsense that they believe, but who Jesus is according to the scriptures. They need to hear it. <laughs> you are literally being sent people to your door. You don't have to go find them. They're coming to you. Tell them the gospel. Why would you not? Why would you hide Jesus from your co-workers? Why would you hide Jesus from your neighbors? Why would you hide Jesus from your family? Why would you hide Jesus from your friends? Why would you hide Jesus and hide the word of God from those that are watching you? Give it some thought. We need to remember who we are. Who we represent. In this day and age, there's every excuse under the sun. To just blend in. To just blend into the crowd. Just to go unobserved. Mind your business. Be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Just follow the crowd. Don't draw attention. The whole world is telling us that. So many Christians are bowing to that. So many Christians are compromising. They're Christians, but they're no disciples. They are no disciples of Jesus Christ. They have not the love of God in them. How could you say they have not the love of God? If they actually had the love of God, the love of God is the love of the unsaved, the love of souls, is the love of people enough to go and show them how to be saved. If you truly loved God, you would share the love of God. You would witness the love of God. You'd be unashamed of the love of God. The love of Jesus Christ, where you would go out of his way to bring souls to salvation, to convict of sin, to bring people to the cross, to bring people to the knowledge of the Lord. The love of God will carry gospel tracts with you everywhere you go. Your pockets would always be bulging with gospel tracts. You have them in your pockets, your purse, in your car. You always have them on, on your purse and always ready to hand out. The love of God is being unashamed to proclaim Christ on a public forum. And that they watched him. They watched him. And then Jesus says, now you go. And you will be watched. You will be hated. You will be persecuted. You will be despised and rejected. You will lose family and friends. You will lose all for my name's sake. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We are to go and make disciples. We're supposed to go and gather together and worship the Lord and praise his name. That if you fall, someone will also take your place. The banner is to always be held high. The torch is always to be lit. That, that, that light on the hill is to always be shining and is never to go out. You are a missionary. I don't, I don't know who you are or whoever's listening. You are a missionary in your home, 
in your area, in your circle of influence. You're a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What excuse could you possibly give God where you would actually be validated and justified in your refusal to witness? Again, what excuse could you possibly give God where you would be validated and justified in your refusal to witness? You say, well, I don't refuse, I witness. How often? When was the last time you handed out a tract? When was the last time you actually explained the gospel of Christ? When was the last time you publicly witnessed, showed, declared Christ? Last week, last month. I would like you to go and ask the Lord, is that good enough? Ask his opinion on that. What do you what do you talk about most on your social media? Do you fight and argue and bicker and slander where the Bible says not to? To avoid contentions, avoid strifes, avoid strifes of words. The Bible says to render not evil for evil, speak evil of no man. Well, they need to hear because, you know, they're doing this and that's wrong. Where's Jesus? Do you as do you speak about Jesus Christ as passionately as you do about political issues and social issues? Do you witness the gospel as much as you speak about everything else? Or do you create divisions and, and sow discord and fight amongst other people instead of trying to draw them like Christ did? The gospel fixes everything, folks. And you're being watched. And what the devil is doing is the devil is creating incredibly masterful issues and scenarios where, where he has found a way to silence the vast majority of Christians from speaking about the gospel. You can hate that all you want, and I don't care, because it's true. The devil has created masterful scenarios where he has silenced the vast majority of Christians from speaking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The vast majority of Christians care more about political and social issues now and will only talk about that now. And rarely, rarely ever do they say anything about the gospel. And when they do, it has no effect because they've driven all the people away. They've driven away the audience. They've, they've, they've sowed discord. They sowed division and schisms and issues and problems. They've created hate. They speak more on hate and vindictiveness and arguing and fighting and anger than they do about what will save souls and strengthen the church. We're here to preach Christ, not crusade. We're here to preach Christ, not crusade. Jesus Christ was a teacher of peace. And he said, love your enemies. Love the opposition. 
those that are different than you, believe differently than you, think differently than you, live and act differently than you. You're to pray for them. You're to love them enough that you would want to encourage them in Jesus Christ, encourage them in the faith. And even if they're a brother or sister in Christ, if they're a born-again Christian and by grace alone, through faith alone, by belief alone, the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone, but they're different than you politically or socially, they're still a brother and sister in Christ. You're still supposed to treat them the same as a brother and sister in Christ, regardless of your differences. You're being watched. You're being watched. You're a Christian. A Christian first. You're not Republican first, Democrat first, or liberal or conservative first. You're a Christian first. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ first. Everything else is secondary, thirdly, or whatever. Nothing else is more important than the, manda than the mandates of this. The, the, these protocols, these mandates, these teachings, these instructions this we live this first we speak this first we hold to this first the lord is watching the only other devil's watching the unsaved are watching other christians are watching god is watching he's watching you how are you carrying out his business his work his truth how are you carrying out the declarations of his kingdom, of his country, of his civilians, of our society, our Christian society, the society of Jesus Christ, the society of the saints. We're being watched. And we're dropping the ball. We're dropping the ball. We're being watched. And they watched him. But the vast majority of Christians don't even care that God is watching. They live like they have no fear of God. No fear of God. In their speech and behavior, no fear of God. And how they behave with other Christians or behave with the unsaved, how they react or treat their co-workers and treat other people that they may disagree with them. No fear of God in their speech. No fear of God in their behavior. No fear of God at church. Really? Listen to the way people talk before the service and after the service. No fear of God in their entertainment. No fear of God in their conversations on other non-biblical topics. Where's the fear of God? Where's the love of Christ in the fear of God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're so eager to hate and cuss and spit and chew on everything and but where's the fear of God? Where's the fear of the cross? Where's the fear of the gospel? Godly fear. Holy, reverential worship and respect. Where's the fear of scripture? Where's the fear of the gospel? Where's the fear of hell? You know... I would like you to use your sanctified imagination just for a moment. 
I would like you to envision, I want you to see, hear, and smell hell. Just for a moment. The wailings and the screamings, the smoke and the fire, the fear and the torment, the screamings of terror as they wait for the day of judgment. Where's the fear of hell? The fear of the wrath to come. We're saved, but they're not. Your neighbor, your coworker, the people around you. If that doesn't change your speech and behavior, I don't know what will. People aren't going to just come to you and just seek you out because you're a nice person. There has to be something biblical, spiritual, the spirit of God, of the righteousness of Christ that convicts them to want to know righteousness. Where's the love of Christ? Jesus sat with them to eat bread and they watched him like a hawk. They watched his manner. They watched his quirks. They watched the way his hands moved. They watched his eyes as those eyes went back and forth. They watched where he was looking. They would look at him. They look and see around. They paid attention to every single thing about the very person of Jesus Christ. They watched the way he ate. They watched the way he drank. They watched the way he talked. They listened to every single word. And Jesus says, go and do what I did. Christ-like. Go. Make enemies. The Bible doesn't say go make enemies. You know how you make enemies? By preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. By preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. By doing what Jesus Christ did. By saying what he said. Living how he lived. Behaving like how he behaved. You're going to be hated by other Christians. You're going to be hated by the religious, by the Pharisees. You're going to be hated by all people. You're going to be making more enemies than you will friends. You're going to be alone more than you are around with other people because they can't stand to be around you because you're holding to this. The only reason why you have lots of friends is because you compromise your convictions. Because you compromise. You compromise to hold on to legalism or you compromise to hold on to sin. And you discriminate. You push away. You mock and you deride. But Christ didn't do that. He spoke against hypocrisy. He spoke against legalism and he spoke against sin. He held a different line. He didn't pick sides. He is his own side. The grace of Jesus Christ, the mercy of Jesus Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ, the patience and long-suffering. Where you judge not after the appearance. Why, well, look what they're doing. I, What kind of example are they? You don't do that. That doesn't even come up in your mind. It doesn't even come up in your mouth. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're about. You don't know what kind of person they are. 
but they're supposed to be a Christian. You don't know. Go and ask them as a loving, faithful, comforting, encouraging Christian, as a child of God. Go and fellowship as a child of God before judging. But we're quick to snappy reactions, snappy responses. We're not patient enough. We're not graceful enough. We're not gracious enough. We're not merciful enough. We judge after the appearance. We don't judge righteous judgment. We judge based upon traditionalism and, and, and religiosity rather than judging by grace and righteousness of the word of God. We go and study things out. We go pray about it first. We are our own God most times because we call the judgments instead of going to the Lord and praying about it and, and having an open mind first and bring it to the Lord and seeking his wisdom, his counsel about it. What does the Lord say? If a man thinketh he knoweth anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. We're being watched. The angels are watching. God is watching. The devils are watching for opportunities. The devils are watching for opportunities to corrupt your testimony, to corrupt your faith, corrupt your joy, corrupt your ability to be a witness. You're being watched by the unsaved. You're being watched by other Christians. People say, well, well, if I'm mindful of all that, it's exhausting. Like, how can I do that? By loving Jesus Christ. And you don't even have to think about it. You have this multitude of witnesses all around, witnessing and listening, observing. This multitude. You don't even have to think about it. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love Jesus Christ with every fiber of your being? Do you love the word of God? Do you love the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you love righteousness and hate iniquity? Then the joy, the oil of joy will be poured upon you. And you don't even have to worry about any of that. So what if they're watching? So what if they're listening? Let them. Let the heathen rage. Let the saints rejoice. Let the angels rejoice. Let the demons growl. Let them. Shake the bars of the gates of hell and walk proudly, victoriously through the gates of heaven. You don't have to worry about a thing. Rejoice. Be glad. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to them the truth of, truth of our Lord. Let all who are watching see the fear of God. Let them see. Let them hear. Let them know. That a prophet has been amongst them. That a servant of the Lord has been amongst them. That a disciple of Christ has been amongst them. That one who fears God is, is amongst them. That one that God is working with with signs and wonders confirming the word. The Lord confirms the words you say. He backs you up. He strengthens you. He hears you. He helps you. He blesses you. And be unashamed, unafraid. Let them rage. Let them rejoice. Get it out there. They may crumple up the tracks. They may put them in their pocket, read them later. They may pick it up, read it, get saved. Or they may just ignore it outright. That's not yours to decide. You're not the one who, who, who decides how they are to react about it. You just throw it out there, get it in their faces, stick it in their faces, stick it in their eye. This is what it is. And let the Lord handle it. He needs you just to grab a handful of that seed and just fling it. 
sow that seed you don't pick okay i want to put a seed here i want to see uh, not there uh here just throw it throw the thing get it out there unashamed unafraid doesn't matter who it is it's 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 family friends co-workers strangers doesn't matter they need to hear it make them hear it but they already know make them hear it again Maybe they're going through something that they haven't shared with you and that if they heard it again, it would strengthen them and encourage them to come out of the problem they're in. Maybe they need to see some good old-fashioned God-fearing conviction. Because that's what we need, folks. We need an avalanche of good old-fashioned God-fearing conviction. Some good old-fashioned fear of God. That's what we need, folks. We need men and women of God. Where are the Debras? Where's the Esthers, the Hannah, Anna, Haldas, Mary, Mary, Martha's, Miriam's? Where are they? Where are the women of God? Where are the men of God? The Elijahs, the Samuels, the Obadiahs. Where's the Moses, the Noahs, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, Johns? Where are they? Where's the men of God? Where are those that are unashamed, unafraid, unwavering, uncompromising? This is what it is. And I'm standing on this tall and proud because i'm full of pride of jesus christ i'm proud of god i'm proud of the word of god i'm proud of the faith i'm proud of the cross you can't make me be ashamed of it you can't make me be quiet of it i will never stop speaking about what is right i will never stop preaching the righteousness of christ if a saint says something that is contradicted to the word of God, I will correct them. Meekfully, tactfully, properly, you know, in, in a spirit of calmness, if need be. Or if they're saying something that's really wrong, I will rebuke them in the name of the Lord. I'll rebuke them according to scripture. They need to hear the truth. I'm not going to be silent. The word of God has been silenced. People care more about other things, philosophies, and, and other issues, and topics, and societal and political. They care more about all that stuff than they do the Word of God. You hardly ever hear the Word of God. You hardly ever see Christ-likeness. Look out at the masses. Go look at the crowds. Point out for me the Christians. When is the last time you saw a gospel tract? in public when was the last time you saw an evangelist when was the last time you saw someone declaring jesus christ in in in, in fear and, and all proud of him when was the last time we're in the last days we need to be the last prophets the disciples of jesus christ are the prophets of the new testament this is what we are. We go and say, thus saith the Lord. Where are the prophets and prophetesses of God? I'm not talking about the charismatic nonsense. I'm talking about good, old-fashioned, God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians who speak the gospel. Just to get out there and warn them. The prophets and prophetesses are hated by the sinners. But the prophets and prophetesses don't care because they need to hear it. This is who we are. This is what we are. And we're dropping the ball. 
We care more about our personal vanity. We care more about our bank accounts. We care more about, about uh, public acceptance. We don't care about Jesus Christ in public. We care about Jesus Christ behind behind church doors. We care about Jesus Christ in our morning devotions. We care about Jesus Christ before we stuff our faces with our food. But we don't care about Jesus Christ enough to tell the wretched sinner that they need to repent and believe the gospel. We care more about what the government's doing than what hell is doing. We care more about what society's doing than what the devils are doing. We care more about what sin is doing than what righteousness should be doing in public. Who's going to go? The Lord says, who will go for us? Who will go for me? Who will go for the faith? Where are the hands rising? Where are they? We shout amen. We say, oh yes, this needs to be done, but we don't do it. We say it, it needs to be told, but we won't tell it. This needs to be stood up for, but we won't stand up for it. We're being watched. Time is watching. Time is watching. Look down through time. How with this generation of Christians, what are we going to be known for? Entertained to death. Not persecuted. Entertained to death. I saw that on a meme a while ago and it just stuck with me. What is, what is our epitaph going to be? The epitaph of the Christians of this generation. What are we going to be known as? What were the Christians? Well, what's their epitaph of the first century? The second century? The third century? All the way down through time. What was the epitaph of the saints of time past? What was the epitaph of the saints of the time of Whitfield? Of Wesley? Of Spurgeon? Of Moody? Of Billy Sunday? Uh, uh, Hudson Taylor? Eugenia Price? Amy Carmichael? Well, what's the epitaph of them? What's ours? Fearful. Faithless. Silent. Hiding. I don't know about you. That's not going to be my epitaph. I'm going to drive the wolves insane. I'm going to chase the rats out of their holes anywhere I find them. And wherever I find sheep, I'm going to feed them. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be warriors, not clowns. We're preachers, not entertainers. We don't seek to build a name for ourselves. We seek to build Christ. We're being watched. Sin is watching. Righteousness is watching. Angels and demons are watching. God and Satan are watching. All heaven is watching. All hell is watching. Time is watching and time is running out. We are going to be replaced. Are we teaching the next generation of saints how to stand for the Lord? What are we teaching them? Are we just teaching them how to compromise? How to just be loved by everybody? And we're teaching them that this hippie social justice warrior Jesus. Are we teaching them the Jesus of like the Bethel cult? Which Jesus? 
a generalized, watered-down, limp-wristed, namby-pamby Jesus or the Jesus of Scripture? Are we teaching them righteousness of Scripture or personal self-righteousness? The graciousness of God or faithlessness? What example are we leaving? The next generation is watching. The saints that come after us. We, we may not be the saints that go into the end of days. We may be the last watch. We may be the last of the old guard. What example are we leaving for the next generation? Every generation is worse than, than the previous. Every generation that to come is worse than the previous. What kind of saints are going to replace us? Who's going to be replacing the pulpits in your churches? Who's going to be replacing the street preachers? Who's going to be replacing the prophets? Or are there going to be replacements? Are we going to be seeing our church buildings stay chained up and rot to the ground? They're going to become, they become ghost buildings. Just ghosts. Uh, uh, just an old epitaph to what once was. Where are the saints? The buildings are shut up, but where are the saints? We're being watched. We're being watched. Are we sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts? Are we praying like we mean it? How much you pray determines how much you actually believe. How much you pray determines how much you actually believe. You say you believe, but do you pray like you mean it? Do you talk like you mean it? Do you live like you mean it? Do you take the faith seriously? Are people seeking to invite you over? They wanted to hang out with you because you're different. You're not a, you're not a Pharisee Christian. You're not a legalist Christian. You're not one of those religious Christians. It's all about personal religion. Okay, now that you're a Christian, don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, and don't don't cuss. You go, you do this, do this, and keep the Ten Commandments, and go to church, and do this, and blah, and put on this suit, and we do this. It's not about that. It's about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus sat with sinners. Jesus sat with sinners. Jesus sat down and ate and drank with the drunkards and the harlots and the sinners. The Pharisees saw Jesus and they said, Behold, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber. And they mocked him. You will be hated and mocked. But who cares? They're wrong. They're wrong. You're right. As long as you walk with Christ. As long as you walk in the Lord. That in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, you do all to the glory of God. It's to the glory of God. It's to the glory of all heaven. You seek to honor heaven. You seek to honor the kingdom of God. You honor the word of God. You honor Christ. You honor the cross. Not honoring denominationalism and religiosity and traditionalism and opinions and feelings. You're not seeking to win the favor of other Christians. You want the favor of God. You want the favor of God. Where's the favor of heaven? 
Where, where is the favor of righteousness? Where is the moving of the Holy Spirit? It's not, it's not sensational experiences, not fuzzy wuzzies. The moving of the Spirit of God is the moving of conviction of righteousness and the Word of God. The Spirit of God wants to convict. He convicts of righteousness. He convicts of sin. He convicts of Christ. He convicts of the cross. He convicts of scripture. The Spirit of God drives you to the Word of God. How much time are you spending in it? Are you able to give witness to those who come and ask you of the hope within you? Are you able to give answer? Why not? Why not? Why is there a question? Why is there a hesitation? How long have you been a Christian? Well, I've only been a Christian for about a year or two. Okay. How long does it take you to learn like half a dozen songs on the radio? How long does it take you to learn uh, to, to memorize the plot line of your favorite show or movie? How long does it take you to memorize your favorite statistics of your favorite sports team? How long does it take you to learn about your personal stances and all the details of your political stances and views? A few days, a week, month. Why is it why is it taking you so long to understand Jesus Christ and the Word of God? If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and pray, how healthy and strong would you be? You're being watched. The Holy Spirit of God is watching you. And he's waiting for an opportunity to be able to actually use you for the glory of God. How much time are you wasting? What's more important to you? And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. The religious will watch you. The legalists and the Pharisees and the religious will watch you. Those that they may be older than you. They may have been saved longer than you. They may have read the Bible more than you. It's not about how long you've been on the road. It's how far you've traveled. All because they say, well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've read the Bible 500 times. Good for you. How many souls have you won to Christ? How many tracts have you handed out? How, how much have you done for the kingdom of God? That's all that matters. How much have you lived for the Lord? How much do you honor Christ? How much do you honor heaven? What have you actually done for the Lord? And you know, it doesn't end, right? You never retire, right? There's no retirement plan in this world. Your retirement is when you finally get to heaven, when you die. I'm never going to retire from this. I plan to die in the pulpit if need be. I'm not stopping. Time is watching. People are watching. They, uh, the people may try to dissuade you. They may try to stop you. They may try to discredit you. 
They may try to call you into question. And like the Pharisees, they may scrutinize every single thing you do in your life. Let them. Let them. Who cares? If what you're doing and what you're saying is not wrong, not sin. Don't you ever be ashamed for what you're doing, what you're saying, if it's not wrong, not sin. You bring it up before the Lord and his opinion is the only opinion that matters. What he says, what he teaches, what his word says is the only thing that matters. What the, what, what the cross is, what salvation is, what repentance is, what holiness is, what Christ-likeness is, according to the word of God, is the only thing that matters. Not other people's opinions of all that. Not other people's feelings of all that. The old religious and pharisaical and legalistic are stuck in the rut of their traditionalism. And if they refuse to remove themselves from that, they refuse to listen, to learn, and all they do is argue and bicker and fight and try to force their opinions and feelings and views, leave them alone. You go do what needs to be done. You show Christ. You speak Christ proudly, unashamed, unwavering, uncompromising. What the Lord says. Not what denominational distinctives say. Not tradition and religion and religiosity and opinions and feelings and catechisms and commentaries and councils and creeds and popes and priests and all the rest of them. What the word of God says. Get your nose in the book and learn of it. Say, well, I don't know what it is. Then learn what it is. What's your excuse? Learn of him. Learn of Christ. Learn the doctrines. Learn the truth. How much time are you wasting? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed next year. We don't know what's going to happen. What if the Bible gets banned? Then what you going to do? What if your favorite favorite platforms get shut down? What you going to do? Your church gets chained up. What you going to do? Handing out gospel tracts becomes illegal. What are you going to do? You can't cheat anymore by just handing out tracts. Now you actually got to say something. What are you going to do? Do you actually know enough? Do you know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you know how to operate in Christ under pressure? When the pressure's on. Well, I don't handle pressure well. Well, then expect to never be used by God. The saints operate under pressure. We are under great pressure. We are under the pressure of hell. All hell is weighing on us. We're to seek to pull some out of the fire. The pressure of the heat. Peer pressure. The pressure of righteousness. Not in that it's mandatory, but that there's this weight that is the cross of Christ is weighing on us as a pressure. And that is the only weight I will carry. I will not carry the whims and the opinions of others. I will not carry the weight of other books. There's only one book, one cross, one way, one truth, one life, one thing that matters to me. That weighs on my shoulder as a pressure. And that is the righteousness of all heaven. And I'm being watched. 
They're watching, what am I carrying? What am I carrying? What am I working? What am I saying? How am I living? Who am I? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. This weight is upon our hearts. This weight should break our hearts. This weight should be so heavy upon our hearts, it should break our hearts for the lost. Is your heart broken for the lost? Or could you care less that they're going to hell? How much do you tell them about Christ? How much do you fight with them about every other thing? Are you drawing them to the Lord or driving them away? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Not your God. The God. The one and only. Not the God of your opinions, your feelings, and your ideologies. Not the God of catechisms and councils and religion and legalism and Phariseeism. Not the God of this world, but the God of our righteousness, the God of heaven, the God of scripture, the God of the cross, the God of the resurrection, the Lord God, Jesus Christ. His weight weighs upon us. He told us to go and see souls saved. Do you do that? Where is the weight of the cross upon your heart that, that drives you to have to speak of him because you need to, because you have to, because souls need to be saved. The saints need to be strengthened. The church needs to continue. Christ needs to be glorified. God needs to be magnified in this world. Someone's got to do it. And you're the one that needs to do it in your area. You need to speak up for the Lord in your home. You need to get out there and show your neighbors and the people around your area the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to get into your town, to the malls and the areas, and stand for the Lord and hand up the tracks and witness for Christ. You need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. All heaven cheers you on and is trying to coax you on. All heaven, all saints before you are screaming at you to stand up and do something. Would you just do something? They're screaming. The all saints are watching. They've handed you a testament. They've handed you a work. They've handed you the banner. They've handed over the torch to you of the generations past. They've handed you the torch. Now they're saying, now just get up and go. Do something. God with his scepter pokes us. Are they still alive? Are they still breathing? God's poking the church. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He's trying to prick our conscience. He's trying to prick our convictions. He's trying to prick our minds and our hearts to try to get us to get up and do something once in a while for him. We cry about being, being bored so much. There's nothing to do. Since when? Entertained to death. Do you want that to be the epitaph over you? We're being watched. We gather together and we eat bread with the saints. We're being watched. Are we so focused on our bread that we ignore the, the people walking over the cliff edge into hell? <clears throat> How are we going to work for the Lord? 
What are we going to do? How will we stand for Christ? What's most important to us? Look what the Lord says in verse 33 of chapter 13 of Luke. Nevertheless, I must walk. And the Lord says, follow me. And that's a commandment of God. We're really big on the commandments of God, on the Ten Commandments. We're really big on talking about and proclaiming and, and see, seeking to magnify the commandments of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Did you know it's a commandment of God to witness the gospel? It's a commandment of God to gather together in the fellowship of the saints physically, physical gathering, not digital online, physical gathering. It's a commandment of God to sing the praises of God. It's a commandment of God to repent. God calls all men everywhere to repent. It's a commandment of God to pray and read the word. Or are we cherry pickers of God's commandments? We're being watched by many. We have this cloud of witnesses. We're in a thick, thick, thick cloud. Witnesses all around, listening, observing. They go and they tell others about us, what they saw, what they heard, whether mockingly or seriously. We don't choose how people react to us. But we do choose of what we're, what we're causing them to react to. What are you giving them to react to? What are you showing them? What are you telling them? That on Judgment Day, how many are going to turn to you and say, why did you never tell me? And you will be watched one last time. You will be watched one last time. On judgment day, all the people that you've ever had an opportunity to share the truth with are going to watch you go and stand apart they're going to watch and hear your name read out of the Lamb's Book of Life. They're going to watch you stand in a place of safety while they are being dragged to the lake of fire, kicking and screaming. And that's the last time you will be watched. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? From personal visitations, sitting with other people, they're watching and listening amongst friends and family and co-workers, strangers and friends all around, to devils and angels, heaven and hell. We are watched. The government watches. Let them. All people watch and listen. Let them. All that which is of flesh and spirit, watch. Let them. 
Because maybe when you decide to finally let them, maybe that might spark you to walk with Christ, to speak of Christ, and stop hiding, stop being silent and mute, to start being fearless, faithful, loving, long-suffering, gracious, eloquent of Scripture, knowledgeable, wise, a biblical counsel that people can look up to, an inspiration to the next generation. Again, I'll end this on one last question. What excuse could you possibly give God where you would be validated and justified in your refusal to speak for Christ? Give that some thought. Give that some thought. So with that, I hope that this encourages you. I hope, I hope this gives you something to think about. I hope this stokes up the fire. This is what I'm trying to do in, in this, this study here. I'm trying to be a stoker. I'm trying to get as many people who will listen to stand for the Lord. To stop, to stop being watered down, washed out, so-called examples of Christ. The people finally stand up as men and women of God. With the fear of God, with the love of heaven, with the hate of hell. To not care who hears or who sees. To be glass houses of righteousness. We need more of this, especially in this day and age. Because the Lord says, Jesus said, at the end of time, when, when the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith in the earth? What I want it to be is that if he comes when I'm still alive, I at least want him to find me faithful and watching and working. Will he find you? Will, is he watching you right now being faithful? Or is he watching you being apathetic? Ask yourself. You say, well... What can I do? I, I, I want to change. I want to be different. Start with Christ. Walk in Christ. End in Christ of Scripture. It's all about this. What he says. Take it seriously. Love it. Breathe it. Eat it. Sleep it. Everything. This becomes your everything. Become mindful of this. Speak of this. Find all your answers in this. Research this. Memorize this. Think this. Speak this. Pray this. Live this. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? So repent. Repent of apathy. Repent of lukewarmness. Tell the Lord you want to take the faith seriously and you want to be different. 
Ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach you. To give you the wisdom and the knowledge. To give you the drive. To give you the words. Then go. Do it. What are you waiting for? Spark of lightning? Get up. Go. Tell them. Do something. And the Lord will work with you, confirming the word with signs following. So there you go, folks. That'll wrap that one up there. So I hope that this has been a help and encouragement. I hope that you've enjoyed this. Please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon. See when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We got tons and tons of content as well as our website. Got links to all other platforms and goodies and stuff. So make sure to check all that out too. This study is a bit of a, uh, again, like I said, a stoker message. This is to get you up and moving, to stoke a fire under you, to, to get the, the, the boiler hot so, so the train can start chugging, to get, to get busy, get moving. There's a lot of work to be done, and we need to get busy. So let's start with studying Christ, studying his word, his gospel, being able to give examples of it. Because again, if you do not know, how to speak and explain who Jesus is according to the word of God, by word of God alone, and explain what salvation is by the word of God alone, then how do you know you're saved? What excuse do you have to not witness where God before God you'd be justified? Seriously, give it some thought. Get busy. The time is short. The time is running out. And we need men and women of God. God-fearing men and women. We need God-fearing, God-loving, Christ-loving, Scripture-loving, Scripture-fearing, fervent, zealous, zealots of the Word of God, where you won't back down and you won't apologize and you won't compromise. We need these individuals to stand up strong, bold, dogmatic in the Word of God, just as Christ himself was. Where, you'd be, where it would drive you to go and sit with the sinners and go find the sinners and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Show them the love of salvation. Show them the faith. Show them Jesus Christ. Go. Be disciples. So with that, there we go. Where I start preaching again. All right, so let's wrap this up. So thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.